Hey everybody, it's Off the Cuff with JJ and Roberto, and uh, we're just going to jump right in, man. I'm so excited to talk to you about this topic. Well, I'm excited to talk about this band, and, <laughs> yeah. the greatest band that's ever walked the face of the earth. I think you're right. Bar and of, none. And of course, we're talking about the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And they've come out with a brand new vinyl box set um, consisting of all the studio albums from 1971 to 2016, all brand new 180-gram vinyl pressings, um, original packaging, uh. which includes the Sticky Fingers original zipper. No, so it does not. This one says it does. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> In says- fact... Here's Keith Richards to tell you why. Oh, yeah. The last time they did that on the original, the zipper started to cut into the records, and they, <laughs> and they had to dump a whole load, and that, which is why the zipper disappeared and, until it became a print zipper, you know. Sounds yeah. like he swallowed the Maybe zipper. Maybe they got a little too adventurous on that one, Andy Warhol. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, all of this, uh, and th- these are fantastic. I know you have problems. We'll talk about that. But these are fantastic. And it's driving me to consider going out and getting a turntable again. There you go. Now, that's the best thing I can hear about this whole thing is that. But it's not just the Stones. It's Zeppelin. It's Elton John. It's all of these yeah. artists and their catalogs which we all had originally on vinyl. I had, I took, uh, in the first house I ever bought, I took an upstairs bedroom, and the entire one wall I personally built out of two-by-fours, racks for albums. <laughs> I had thousands of them there. In fact, <laughs> so it was I. an old house, and I thought maybe <laughs> it was going to come crashing down into the living room because oh, of the weight. Well, the but, value of them is very high now. So well, that's too bad because mine are all gone. <laughs> oh, Every, no. You would go crazy no. if you knew no. some of the albums no. that I had, including the very first Heart album oh. that was actually recalled, and we got a cease and desist letter to send our promotional copies back to the company because they were invalid any wow. longer. And I had one of those, and I parted company with it. So the cool thing about you know vinyl now is that, and I'm listen. I'm going to try to not get geeky. All right, if I turn to start geeking out, just tell me. But <laughs> vinyl today is so much different than it was back, you know, in the '60s, '70s, '80s, because the lathes now and the way that they're able to press records is so much technologically more advanced. Yeah, but here's the that problem: they're saying they can get more data basically onto that yeah well that's the bad word data is a bad word because, <laughs> it is, because you you're not supposed to have data, data. <laughs> no it's supposed to be analog that's correct so but here's the problem with it uh first of all you've got to dig deep and find an old tube type amplifier uh that you can use to amplify the music coming out of the turntable because if you're just going to best buy and getting a new digital uh amplifier it defeats the whole purpose. Exactly. You're losing the warmth of the analog sound you of these the whole albums. Chain needs to be analog. Correct. For, and now that, but it also exists in the pressing of the record. You know these Led Zeppelin ones that came out a few years ago, and the um, the Beatles stereo box when that came out caused a huge uproar because all those master tapes they they found the master tapes they got them on the reels and then from the reels went into pro tools <laughs> yeah it doesn't work that way and and, and then then for pro tools it gets pressed on a record right. so what is that you're still listening to digital i don't right. get it and for us as a radio station even if we wanted to go back to playing vinyl which we do once in a while just for the novelty of it but if we really wanted to do it we'd have to have a whole new transmitter <laughs> yeah, because right. it's all digital now so by the time it reached your car radio which by the way is also digital yep it's going to lose the warmth of the original vinyl. You and, need the whole chain and as some you said. information. You know, I can I can go back and listen to li- original pressings on vinyl and an all analog chain, and I swear to God, there's there's things that I 
hear every time that little nuanced things that aren't in you know when i listen in my car or whatever but the most fun i ever had listening to music probably was in college when i had a full analog setup and it was all vinyl back then and i had really nice headphones and i'd sit either in my dorm room or my apartment wherever it was uh adjust my attitude and put headphones on and listen to like pink floyd or Jimi hendrix there was no distraction no Every once in a while, you hear a little pop or a crack right, right. or a but little things, but, flake of marijuana also, that was left over from the album cover. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it just came with a territory at the time. But, I mean, it's just, you know, and things were based on albums, an LP. You know, you 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 listen to one side, you'd listen to the other side, and you listen right. to it as a whole. Where well, today, on your phone and everything, it's just like... Now, and, by the way, they used to know. build stories out of albums. Uh, one side, two side. You didn't want to listen to it out of order because yeah. you, you missed concept. some of the story. Yeah, right. It's a whole album concept that's gone now. So, so let me know if this, you know, how you feel about this. Because the reason we started talking about this, Rolling Stone came out with an article about this Rolling Stones box set, and they interviewed this guy Miles Scholl is his name. Yeah, um, and he was in charge of remastering the catalog and putting it all out. Right. So, very talented guy, and uh, they interviewed him in this piece. And one of the questions they asked him was. Uh, were there any difficulties in tracking down the original master tapes for this project? And I, I, I was so stunned. The first sentence of his answer was, I didn't have any original master tapes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Right. He said, the management of the band archived everything digitally a few years back, and I was loaned a hard drive. Yeah. They said, you can have this for 24 hours, take what you need, and it has to come back. <laughs> See, there you go. It's what we were talking about before. However, however... It's still going to give you a different and more rich sound than you would get today just downloading it. No, no, it's, it's very high resolution. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I do believe that it will sound good. And I, I think with the mastering materials and things they have today, it can be extraordinary. But I think what sometimes what makes me scared is... You know, it's sort of like touching up the Mona Lisa. Well, or you can't do you it. You know what I mean? So yeah. these guys have to be very careful. Right. You know, and, and what this guy said, what, what was cool too is that not only the band gave him the hard drive with the songs, they also gave him like mint copies, the mint, most mint copies of the first pressings of those albums that he could reference as well. So I think that was very important in putting this together. I wonder if, uh, and I haven't finished the article, but did he use any of these mint pressings to try to gain master material off of it? In other words, did he incorporate some of that sound, or did he rely on all of it on the hard drive that he got? I think the hard drive. I think he would yeah. reference those vinyls. He could A and B and, and get as close to that vinyl pressing as he could. I did read a funny story. He talked about the song, one of one of my favorite Stone songs, Fingerprint File. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, he had a uh, uh, sped-up version of it? Yeah, that that, that some t- somehow in the mastering of the original album, what was that? Is that It's Only Rock and Roll? Yeah. yeah. That uh, somehow in the mastering process, they the band decided, I would assume, to speed up the song. Right. So when the, the tapes were digitally archived a few years back, it would have been slower and uh, thank God he noticed That's it because weird. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have been that good song. A little self indulgent on mix part. If you're familiar with the song or if you're not, go listen to it. It's kind of cool. You can just for your own edification grab it off of YouTube or something. I like it. It's a great song. But Mick does a lot of self masturbatory vocal <laughs> stylings, if you will, different than he even more so than what he usually does. Now let me let me get your uh, take on this because I thought this was interesting as well. Um, uh, this guy from Abbey Road says, 
Uh, obviously, in this box, the first three or four albums, Sticky Fingers, Exile, Goat's Head Soup, It's Only Rock and Roll, are kind of fairly deliberately lo-fi. It's almost as if when they went to record Black and Blue in 1976, they discovered FM radio. Right. And thought... Uh, we better make our record sound nice on the FM. Well, you remember the early days of the Rolling Stone stuff that was in mono. Yeah. And somewhat over-modulated <laughs> to some degree. It was junk. But the songs were good, so we kind of looked the other we it. looked yeah, the yeah. other way a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, like play with fire and some of those old, you know, I love that stuff. Not yeah. fade away. Yeah, remember yeah. that one? But you know, what's funny is that, you know, being my age, be, you know, not being introduced to the Stones till way the later stuff. It's interesting to get your t- so. What what album do you think really changed it for you with them? That really got you on board, or was it a later one that that you really looked to as the blueprint? Look, I you know for their own reasons, I like all of them. But if but pound for pound, my favorite album you mentioned a minute ago is Black and Blue. I love the song. I do too. Melody. I've never Melody, heard anyone say that. Melody. Uh, uh, in my earlier career, when I could get uh, away with cheating more than I can now, I would play <laughs> that song from time to time. I absolutely. And if you guys aren't familiar with that song or the album, it's Memory a fantastic. Memory Motel fantastic. is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, like I say, I'm a Hand Melody of guy. Fate. Yes. All of that. You know what I like, and and that's hot stuff, right? So then that goes to my favorite Rolling Stones song of all time, believe it or not, and it's a modern Stones song called "Doom and Gloom." <laughs> that's I love pretty that recent, song. right? But here's the re- and also another one uh, along the same vein, and I'll explain why. Undercover of the night. I love that song. Yeah, man, uh, is that good. you know what? It, you know why? For me, it's the rhythm and blues part of it. It's the syncopation of the song but, and that kind of music that I like better than their straight ahead rock and roll stuff. Now, from a from a broadcasting standpoint, when Undercover of the Night was out, how big was that compared to like a Some Girls no, or No, nothing. Uh, Zero. <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding. It you. wasn't on your playlist, no, right? <laughs> barely. For a minute. Yeah, right. No, it or didn't. Or anything it, off like it, dirty yeah. work. But, hey, but but I guarantee you if uh, the uh, if Led Zeppelin was putting out albums in that area, they wouldn't have gotten uh, that kind of play either yeah, as yeah. much because it's just the way radio changed in the middle of it. It had took... nothing to do with their music. It's the attitude of yeah. broadcasters and how they were presenting music to people. I think they maintained their sound pretty much all the way through. There were some things where they tried to... Mick really wanted to be in the times of the '80s, and some of that reflected on right, some of that stuff. But I think by they, Steel they did a couple Wheels, of disco songs, right? By, oh yeah, like Emotional Rescue. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. But I think by Steel Wheels, they'd really got back to form, and that's a brilliant album. That's the one when I was a kid that got me. You know, I would see mixed emotions on MTV and go, "Oh my god!" See, I you look know. at things. It's so funny to talk to somebody. How old are you, Roberto? Thirty-eight. Yeah, so so interesting to talk to somebody who is that much younger than I because we speak a different language when we're talking about this stuff because I look at these artists from my experience with them live more than I do from my experience with them playing the records for all of these years. I sort of go by their tours and the cool stuff that they did. The staging was brilliant. Uh, Always for the Rolling Stones, you could, it was always like, I can't wait to see how they've staged 
this particular Well, they were pioneers tour. in that in terms of like they were the first band to hang the PA, right. hang sound, you know, um, all these innovations. And that the they visual started. aspects of all of it, Lighting you know, the blow up and, dolls yeah. and all of that stuff were off the charts and it was so fun. My first experience with all of that, 1978, Masonic Auditorium here in Detroit. You weren't even born yet. Nope. <laughs> so, and I was doing a morning show at WWW down on Jefferson Avenue in downtown right. Detroit where the venue was. And back in those days, we as programmers of radio stations, we would find out about tours coming to town when the concert promoter called us, and it could be any time, day, night, early morning, <laughs> it didn't matter, and they would say, okay, the Stones at Masonic, such and such a date, tickets go on sale this morning. Wow. So I'm on my way to work one morning to do a morning show, and I get a call from the promoter of the show gail parento was her name at the time i forget now i shame on me but i forget the name of her company related to mark she was at one point yeah they were married uh, as a matter of fact and then he went a different direction but that's a whole nother story (laughs) anyway (laughs) and i'm not saying she was the reason (laughs) so i get a call on my way to work uh early early in the morning from gail parento saying stones masonic tickets on sale this morning click wow so, and as my job at the time, too, was to, you know, you wear all the different hats back in those days. So I had to be thinking about how we were going to promote the show, promo, give tickets right. away and all of that. Wow. Well, and, you know, you couldn't always count on having your way with the promoters. So to backstop all of that, I got to work and sent my partner, who is George Beyer, who did all of the voices on the show, Dick the Bruiser and uh, oh, yeah, some of the other yeah, characters yeah. and so forth. I said... Listen, I got to send you to Masonic. I'll I'll uh, man the fort here for the morning show. You'll go down to Masonic and buy a bunch of tickets, as many as they'll let you buy, so we can give them away <laughs> on our you, show. That's what you had to do, right? That's what you had to do. So he went over there, and all morning long, it was back and forth with him on a phone, a pay phone back then, of course, <laughs> nearby. He'd have some listener hold his place in line, and he'd go to the pay phone to give me an update of what's going on. Yeah, JJ, I'm like 10th in line, and <laughs> crowds building, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd stay as long as he had to until he procured enough tickets or as many as he could so we could come back and give them away on the air. So the weird part, though, is that you know the Stones playing in Detroit would, you know, there was a there was a gap there in the eighties where they didn't tour. Right. You know, I think they, they played here in like eighty two and then didn't play here again until what, ninety? Eighty nine? Ninety? I don't know. See but, uh, at thirty eight your memory's a lot better you, than mine. <laughs> but you you had seen them on was what tour did you actually you saw them out of the country? Oh before? well, I've seen them all over the place. I remember because we became pals with the members of Journey along the way. Wow. And they did a show at this uh, football stadium in Philadelphia. They were part of the bill. And the Rolling Stones was oh the headliner. God, wow. So they invited me to fly into Philadelphia and see the show there in the stadium. So wow. I got to spend a little time with not only those guys, but, you know. Rub, That's a big stadium, Rub too. elbows yeah. and say hello to the Rolling Stones. Let me let me just uh, say that I have no personal relationship with any of these guys. <laughs> no. uh, but I have been exposed to them. And, yeah, we were invited. This was a crazy thing. It was actually a trip uh, for me and some listeners to travel abroad to see them it was going to be a two-show affair first in copenhagen denmark at an outdoor soccer stadium there that's awesome and then on to moscow to (laughs) see them perform in moscow i'm geeked i'm so excited and this thing was like months in the planning well it got down to the very last minute before we're supposed to leave 
and we got word that the Moscow show had been canceled. What we were told, and who knows what the real truth is, maybe this is it, what we were told is in the negotiations between the Stones management and the country of, well, it was back then it was the Soviet Union still. Right. And they insisted on paying the Stones in rubles, which are as <laughs> worthless as, well, I'm not going to say. But the Rolling Stones said, no, that stuff's worthless. We're not, that's not going to happen. So push came to shove and they just pulled out of the event. However, our planning had been months in, in the staging. We'd already given the trips away. Oh, and no. so uh, it was determined that we would do the whole trip, even Moscow, even though the Stones were playing. So we fly from here into Helsinki, Finland, where we climb on an Aeroflot airliner. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I look up, and first of all, they wheel a cart. There's this Aeroflot stewardess wheels a cart up and down the aisle <laughs> with, like, lunch meat on it, sitting out in the open with flies on it. No, no, just a platter with pieces of meat on it, like charcuterie, that you could grab if you wanted to with your bare hands. Okay. I passed. Okay. <laughs> but then, as I'm sitting there looking around thinking, I'm on Aeroflot, I'm going to die. <laughs> I look up to me, and seriously, you know how, like, uh, there is, like, a glass box in buildings where it says, break glass in case yeah, of yeah, fire? Yeah, yeah, Well, they had one of those, except the label above it said, escape rope. Oh, my God. And so my immediate thing is, and it was funny, my immediate thought is, escape rope? How long is this rope? We're 30,000 feet yeah, in the air. Is it a 30,000-foot rope? <laughs> and then I realized that it was for... If you crash landed or landed in the water or something and you had to escape the fuselage by via the wing, you would use the rope, I guess. I don't know. Fortunately, we never had to use it. But we land. We, we, we go to uh, the concert, and we had a blast in Copenhagen. What a cool city that was. And then we, we, we get on this flight to Moscow. We land in Moscow. Our plane is immediately surrounded by Army guys with machine guns. Oh, man. Then... We take a bus, and I mean it was a rickety, terrible bus. It was <laughs> August, and it was hotter than hell in Moscow. This sounds and awful. my first, it kind of was, my first uh, view of Moscow, looking out the window of this prison bus, I thought I was going to Jackson for <laughs> 10 to life. Oh, no. And I'm looking out, and it's all concrete. Everything's concrete. And apparently they have no such thing there as lawnmowers or weed whips because every crack in the concrete had giant bushes <laughs> growing out of it that were like these big, tall weeds. We finally get to this hotel called the Cosmos, which looks something like out of the Jetsons. It was a big sort of uh, semi-circle, all-glass, chrome, weird-looking. Yeah. And uh, we get in there. The first thing at the desk, you got to surrender your passport. And then they give you a little paper card that says you are staying at the hotel. You take the card up the elevator to your floor. There's a guard there. You hand them your card where they confiscate your card and hand you your room key. Oh, my God. When you leave the room, you come back to the same guard, hand him your key. He hands you your little paper ID card back. God forbid you lose it. Yeah. And they turn you loose out into the, uh, <laughs> the city of Moscow. Meanwhile, your passport, who knows if you're ever going to see yeah, it again, right? If you're ever going to go home again. Right. So we spent a few days there, and my partner George and I actually went to Gorky Park. And oh, there was right, some right. sort of a band playing there, a local band. Yeah. And, you know, not a lot of people there speak English, but a few did. And we we sort of wandered to, 
back to check out the guys who are kind of putting this thing on. We introduced ourselves. One of them could speak a little bit of English. And he was so excited, he brought us up on stage. So there's my, there's me and Dick the Bruiser on stage at Gorky Park, barking out, yeah, Moscow! Welcome to Gorky Park! And they were going crazy. They had no idea what we were saying. But uh, So let me ask you this. Stones coming back to Detroit. Will we see it one more time? Yep, absolutely. In fact, uh, I don't know if it'll be this year, but you know they're on tour right now in Europe. Right. Uh, I sort of have this nagging feeling in the back of my head that they will come back to America this year. I don't know about Detroit. We'll see. But, you know, these guys, I mean, after the last tour, the first thing they said was, we're going back into the studio, we're creating new music, and we're going on tour again next year. Yeah. We're going to do Europe next year. We haven't done it in a couple of years. We're doing Europe. And then they were asked about the States, and they were sort of coy in their answer which led me to believe that they may well be coming back, and why the heck not? I mean, and it is the reason they are the greatest rock and roll band in the history, and nobody will ever eclipse what these guys have done. No, and I think that you know, especially in this time, you know, it's it's hard for bands to even put out product anymore because no no one makes any money off putting out new material. No, Rolling Stones are really one of those like a U2 or one of these like really established bands that can put out new product and it'll sell. Yeah, you know. not enough to make any difference. <laughs> no, not though. really. It's a, you're right. It's the tour and the sponsors <laughs> yeah. of the tour and all but of it that It used stuff. to be reversed. Yeah, exactly, right. but uh, not the case. So my prediction is yes, uh, maybe not Detroit for this year, but I think sometime in the next two to three years, I don't think they're ready to hang it up. I don't I know that so. they ever will until yeah. they start losing um, some of the key members. Yeah. You know, obviously if Mick ever – uh, that would be it. <laughs> yeah. Is unable to tour yeah. for whatever reason. Or Keith, I they're would done. Say that's it. Um, probably but Keith. Anybody although, else? Although, if uh, if Keith uh, were to somehow be unable and Mick felt like going on the road, <laughs> I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me <laughs> one little bit. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, again, you know, the, the, the box set is out. Uh, Rolling Stones massive vinyl box set, and, and you know, taking. What I took most, the best thing about this is you considering getting back into vinyl. I love it. Yes, I am. And I can't wait to get the update on it. And then uh, I want interested in what you'll be buying. Well, will be I, interesting. Well, we're going to start with the core artists. We're right, going to start right. with the Who, the Led Zeppelins of the world, the Rolling Stones, all of that. I love the Beatles, but that's probably not the first place I'm going to go to start looking for vinyl. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and then you know with this with the the Beatles box set that came out a few years back. Um, they put out a stereo box set of the vinyls first, and there was a, such a backlash because they were from digital files right. put into Pro Tools, just like the Stones one. So, like two years later, they come out with the mono box set right. where they had actually, from the reel-to-reel tape machine, cut the lacquers and the stuff to to put to put that out. So, I would recommend getting that one if you're going to go with some Beatles stuff. I'm sure they would recommend you get them both. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure many have. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get the update on your vinyl stuff when we talk on the next uh, episode here of Off the Cuff, and uh, we'll see you guys later.